We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. We are very excited today. We have a jam-packed episode. Jason, unfortunately, cannot be with us, but Alex is here. And Alex, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good, yeah. Um, can uh, Mahomes, uh, I know you're out there listening to the podcast. Uh, if you would like to go to <laughs> patreon.com slash charge, uh, we would like to, uh, we would appreciate a couple, you know, hundred uh, bucks thrown our way. <laughs> <laughs> love the selfish plug. I love it. <laughs> yes. Uh, all of our listeners out there, if you want to support us on Patreon, we are available there. We're going to be doing a, an August giveaway. We haven't decided which one we're going to do, but an August giveaway will be coming your way. So stay tuned for that. Uh, so Patrick Mahomes, uh, he's the talk of the world right now. You know, we're a little late because we recorded on Sunday night and then the news came out on Monday about his extension and getting all the updates from Adam Schefter for a massive contract extension is just exhilarating. Like I couldn't get off Twitter all day. And so the, the Patrick Mahomes extension was for 10 years and the highest value is $503 million. It's got some quirks to it, but basically Patrick Mahomes will be a Kansas City Chiefs player for the next 12 years with the option to get out, I believe, after eight or potentially renegotiate after year five, which is a little complicated. But Alex, your first reaction to the Patrick Mahomes extension? Uh, my first reaction, well, because the first thing I got from Adam Schefter was that they agreed to a deal uh, and it was uh, his first tweet was that it was a contract. Uh, his contract was a cap percentage, which it yeah. ended up not being that. But I was like, wow, if this is going to be a cap percentage, like Casey's cap is like, you know, blown up. Which you know they'll still be dealing with forty five million anyway. But a, a cap percentage would have been uh, a big deal, and that would have been almost unprecedented in the history of contracts to have like a constant um, cap percentage like that um but yeah i mean mahomes's deal fits into uh the vein of other 10-year deals that there have been in the league uh brett Favre, of course got a 10-year deal uh donovan mcnab uh, michael vick wow when he was in atlanta so uh there's right. been a pretty long history of these 10-year deals for players that want to stay um it's maybe become more uncommon recently because players want to have that four or five uh, year deal and then renegotiate but 
with Mahomes, it you know he wanted that long-term security, and he has that 140 million dollar injury guarantee, which is pretty um pretty insane to think about. I have to believe that's easily the largest injury guarantee of all time. And so, my first instinct was like, oh well, you know the Chiefs won't. This is something we can get into as we talk, but the Chiefs won't be able to pay their players, but. If you look at how the Chiefs have kind of laid the situation out, they have two years now to kind of start planning uh, for when they have to really, that Mahomes contract kicks in. Uh, and they can, you know, see how to uh, move forward with Tyreek Hill, uh, Travis Kelsey, some of those other guys uh, who are up in 2022, 2023. Uh, so they can f start figuring that out now uh, as to how to... Uh, really negotiate with those guys. So, I honestly don't think the contract is that bad for them uh, because he's making $45 million, which in the next year or two, um, so really starting in 20... I think the contract starts in 2022, 2023. It'll be bad in the immediate, but as we talk about with quarterback contracts all the time, as the cap goes up, uh, these quarterback deals always generally look better uh, as time goes on. Right. Um, this is, was true with Cam Newton, this was true with Andrew Luck, this was true with, you know, pretty much any quarterback who's gotten these deals, um, in terms of, like, you know, what the immediacy after them getting that massive contract was. Uh, you know, Brett Favre back in the day as well, when he, there was actually a tweet that, um, I think Brett Favre and Mahomes, uh, signed their contracts on the, uh, uh, same day, uh, like 20 years oh, later wow. 20 years later or something and they were both 18.75 percent of the cap which is kind of a freaky coincidence um but yeah so i honestly think this is a good deal for the chiefs um and you know if the worst thing that happens is that mahomes has to renegotiate later i honestly think it's fine yeah, there's definitely a lot to take in with this because it's an unprecedented contract. You know, this is the largest contract in sports history, and there have been other 10-year contracts, that you, like you mentioned, but there's never been this kind of guaranteed money and total value in sports. So Mike Trout is close, and Bryce Harper is close in baseball, but you know, I, I said this to my family, Patrick Mahomes is so good at football that he got a baseball contract, which is just crazy to think about. So... I actually went on spot track and was looking at how this contract breaks down. Of course, this could be changing. We don't really know depending on year to year, how that works out. Um, but like you mentioned, he has next year, which will be his fourth year. And then they could agree to the fifth year option. So the next two years would put him at $10 million each after that in 2022, that would go up to 22 million and then 29, then 40, 37, 41, 41, 59, 44, 44, 50, 52. So it gets crazy at the end of the contract, obviously, once it gets to that 59. So obviously the cap could go up and make it a little more manageable. But to start out, you know, it's only 22, 29, 40, 37, and then a couple seasons of 41. So that gives the Chiefs some wiggle room, unfortunately. It, they're still paying a quarterback, like you mentioned, 18% of the cap or 19 or whatever it is. Um, but I think Chargers fans were a little overreacting to the Chiefs not being able to pay their players because they'll still be able to afford a few. I want to say at most of their good players. They're not going to be able to keep all of them, obviously. No team keeps all of their good players. But they're going to keep their core intact. And, you know, that's just the reality of football is they're going to pay – you know, they're not going to let uh, Mitchell Schwartz just walk free because they can't afford him because they're paying Patrick Mahomes. Like, they'll make it work. Um, and so I think Chargers fans are a little overreacting to that aspect of the contract. But at the end of the day, the Chiefs have the best player in football, and now they have the best player in football for the next 12 years. So they if they draft well like they have, they're going to keep being a, a thorn in the Chargers' side for the next 12 years. So I, I, I understand, like, yay, they, they got a player that is taking up 20% of the cap, but let's pump the brakes a little bit, in my opinion, because it's Patrick Mahomes. This isn't like 
a situation where you have a declining Peyton Manning or a declining Aaron Rodgers. Patrick Mahomes is 24 years old. He hasn't even hit his peak yet in terms of his athleticism. And, you know, that's a scary thought. I saw on Colin Cowherd today that he was talking about it. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has lost, I believe, seven games so far as an NFL player, and not a single one of those games was by more than seven points. So the Chiefs are going to be in good shape. I don't know how good shape that'll be on defense, but defense has never really been their calling card. Um, do you think that we should be pumping the brakes on the caps, the cap percentage of his contract, or do you think that this is a legitimate concern if you're a Chiefs fan and saying, you know, I'm happy that we have Patrick Mahomes, but I'm a little worried about keeping all these guys around. No, if you're a Chiefs fan, you should be popping champagne uh, somewhere. <laughs> Honestly, that's the outlook for them. Like, will there be some cap casualties? Yeah. Like, could they lose reasonably someone like Chris Jones, uh, you know, who's fighting to get his, you know, 20 mil that another team would yeah. probably be able to pay him? Yeah. I mean, you're going to lose some guys, but when you have the best player in the sport, uh, you know, many people are going crazy saying, you know, the most dominant player in any sport right now, like LeBron died or something. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, but when you have the best player in the NFL, uh, by far, uh, too. Like, you know, I it's funny to see all the uh, sports talk shows go like, oh, well, who's the next quarterback you would take after Mahomes? Because everyone agrees Mahomes is the slam dunk best player in the league. Um, right. So when you have him, and we also saw this last year, like when you have um, other, you know, parts of the Chiefs that don't work well, like, you know, they fell behind 24-0 to the Texans in that playoff game, right? Right. Uh, and then they make this crazy comeback based on Patrick Mahomes, you know, uh, you know, honing in and just making some explosive plays. Um, we saw that in the Super Bowl when they fell behind as well. Uh, in fact, they fell behind in every playoff game and still found a way to win. Right. So when you have Patrick Mahomes and you have Andy Reid, uh, Andy Reid especially, right? He he is one of these guys that is a uh, football lifer, he knows how to draft well, uh, he knows how to put guys around Mahomes, um, you know, he, he did this with, uh, Donovan McNabb, right, so, um, so, you know, I mean, Do- you know, Donovan McNabb was very good for his time, but he was never Patrick Mahomes, uh, so, Andy Reid has, you know, just a ton of weapons he can put with Patrick Mahomes, he knows how to draft well, uh, at the end of the day, if those two are together, uh, I don't see any reason to be sad if you're a Chiefs fan, even if it will come with a couple key guys leaving, because as long as you have those two, you're set. Yeah, I mean, ultimately it's going to come down to their perspective. They've always prioritized the offensive side of the ball under Andy Reid. I don't imagine that is going to change. But from a financial side, you can afford to pay Patrick Mahomes and then you can have two, maybe three high-end offensive linemen. You know, they have Mitchell Schwartz. They have Eric Fisher, who's okay. He's kind of middle of the pack. Um, they have the guard, um, Duvernay Tardif, who's pretty good. So they, they'll be able to manage having a good enough offensive line. You know, you can pay one or two good options uh, in terms of weapons, and then you can just draft the rest. And on the defensive side, as long as you have – which they've always had this. They've had one good player at each level. They have Frank Clark. You know they'll, they'll keep him around. Obviously, they have Tyron Matthew. You know you can draft some good linebackers like Willie Gay in their set. So I actually went through just kind of their contract situation, and I tweeted this out, but I do want to talk about it on the show. So in terms of their core, obviously they have Patrick Mahomes through 2032. Tyreek Hill has a contract through 2023. Uh, Travis Kelsey is the interesting one because he is 30 years old right now and his contract is up in 2022. So maybe they could get him on the cheap after that and in terms of him potentially becoming on the decline. Uh, Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher are both up in 2022. And then Mikkel Hardman is on a rookie deal, which ends in 2023. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, same rookie deal, potentially to 2025, with a fi- with a f- assuming they get the fifth-year option. And then Duvernay Tardif is 2021. So it's not going to be a worry next year. They pretty much bring everyone back. And then 2021, they'll bring pretty much everyone back in terms of their offensive core. 
Uh, Defensive-wise, they'll have Frank Clark through 2024. Um, Hitchens, the linebacker, through 2023. Tyron Matthew through 2022. Obviously, uh, Chris Jones is just on the franchise tag. You know, we'll see how that plays out. And then they have Juan Thornhill, who I think is really good, who Jason talked about as an underrated player through 2023. So they'll have to work some things around. Obviously, like you said, they'll have to sacrifice in in certain areas. But for the most part, they have the next one to two years, like you said, to figure things out because they have their current core all together for the next two years. Right. Um, Yeah, as you said, they have their core together and... If you want anyone drafted for you, it's it's you know it's Bill Belichick, it's Andy Reid, it's those kind of guys who just know what they're doing and know how to uh, plug in talent uh, that may not seem great on paper, but they know how to plug it in and make it work, uh, especially when they have a great quarterback um, like you know Bill had with uh, Brady in his prime, and you know now uh, I think. Andy Reid has to an even higher degree with Patrick Mahomes. They have drafted very well over the last few years. And, you know, in terms of like a percentage, most teams probably hit around 40% of their draft picks turn into um, capable producers now with this contract that might have to be up to like 50% for the Chiefs. But like you mentioned, that Andy Reid and his teams have historically drafted very well. And so that'll be really interesting to keep an eye on it. If I put an over-under at, let's say, two and a half for future Super Bowls for the Chiefs during this contract, are you taking the over or you taking the under? So we're not counting this past Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Next 12 years, over-under two and a half Super Bowls for the Chiefs. <sighs> I'm tempted to go, like, two or three. I honestly think two and a half is a really good number. I'll probably lean on the shorter side and say two for now, just because I think it's, you know, it's so hard to win uh, in the NFL, uh, especially when you have some of those other players in the AFC, like we were talking about. Uh, Baltimore is obviously going to be a huge title contender uh, for years to come with Lamar and that defense. Um, And, you know, then you have the Patriots who aren't done yet, and they just signed Cam. Uh, and then you have, like, you know, what are some of these other AFC teams uh, going to turn into, like the Chargers, who have the stacked roster, but um, don't have a well-defined quarterback yet. But, you know, if Justin Herbert starts playing well, then, you know, they become, uh, they kind of shoot up the contender list. So, you know, there's a lot of teams in the AFC who you can see uh, challenging that throne pretty quickly. And, yeah, uh, we saw this with the Patriots, too where the Patriots eventually ended, uh, ended up winning all those titles, but there was a, a somewhat considerable drought for the Patriots for probably about, like, 10 years, where, like, they just didn't have a ton going in the playoffs, right. um, you know, after that initial run of success. So, you know, it's it's hard to win in this league, and it, it gets harder and harder the more you win. So I... Um, I'd like to think Mahomes will uh, win all these championships, and I think he certainly will win at least one or two more. Um, but I don't know. Two and a half is two and a half is a high number. I feel. Yeah, two and a half is definitely. I, I probably would take the under as well. I honestly could see them winning it this year. You know, mm. if there is a this season, yeah. because I think continuity is really going to be the theme of the theme of the season because of the coronavirus and the lack of off season. Mm-hmm. So if there is a full season, I can see the Chiefs repeating, but repeating in general is so tough. Uh, in terms of the Chiefs, I think they have as good a shot as anyone in the league right now because of that continuity, like I mentioned. But I agree. I think maybe they win one in the, in the early stages of the contract and probably the late stages. Uh, if I had to bet, I would I would say the under, but I do think the Chiefs will win at least one more Super Bowl in the next 12 years. For sure. I agree with that. So let's let's shift to this. Uh, Pro Football Focus has not stopped talking about how much they dislike the Chargers. Uh, so they, in the past couple days, it came out that they ranked the Chargers offensive line for 2020 as 30th in the league. And then uh, right before we started recording, they came out and said that the Chargers do not have 
the talent at quarterback to win more than eight games. Uh, I'll let you decide which one of those you want to touch on first, but just your initial thoughts to Pro Football Focus's continued uh, dislike of the Chargers roster. Um, the offensive line doesn't surprise me in terms of their ranking because they're basically saying we don't expect a ton of improvement on the line over last year, which, you know, does seem objectionable because, well, they did get Balaga and we got Turner, but it's like, you know, uh, you know, Balaga needs to stay healthy, and, right, uh, Pouncey also needs to stay healthy, for example. So, like, I can see why they don't think, uh, the offensive line is so improved yet. Um, we also obviously need to see how left tackle and left guard play out. So, that's gonna be, you know, the competition with Tevi and some others for tackle, and then left guard, maybe Danfini, Forrest Lamp. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. But I can see why, uh, even though I'm probably a little higher, and I think the Chargers have a chance to have a decent line this year, um, I get why they sell it, uh, at least in comparison to other teams around the league. Yeah, I guess I can kind of understand that. They also mentioned that they didn't have Trey Turner as that much of an upgrade over Michael Schofield, which Michael Schofield was underrated as a Chargers uh, offensive ta- or offensive guard because I think so many people would have just constantly hit on him, but he was pretty solid, uh, at least for what the Chargers had last year. I thought he was their most consistent lineman throughout the season. Um, but Trey Turner, to his credit, he he has come out and said he had a down year last season. Um, a lot of that, I would imagine, would have to do with just the tough season that the Panthers had with the revolving door at quarterback between losing Cam and then uh, Kyle Allen, and then a couple of games of Will Greer, and then back to Kyle Allen. So, you know, we've talked about previously about the importance of chemistry and continuity for offensive linemen, and the Panthers just didn't really have that last year. So Trey Turner has said that he uh, was disappointed in his last season, and he expects to bounce back, and I fully expect that to happen as well. But, but to me, you know, watching the two players on film, Michael Schofield, like, at best was solid, whereas Trey Turner, at best, is a top-tier offensive guard. Mm-hmm. So I th- I can understand having them rank low, but I-, I personally am expecting it to be better. I'm not saying I'm going to expect a top-tier offensive line because, like you mentioned, there are still question marks. It c- can Mike Pouncey stay healthy? Who's going to start at left guard? Who's going to start at left tackle? And how does that left tackle perform? So I can understand kind of doubting them um i think going heading into the season i would probably rank them in the low 20s personally like i said i'm not mentioning i'm not expecting this to be a top tier offensive line but definitely solid uh kind of in the middle range of the league so what would you uh say about the the quarterback remark because we've seen repeatedly in the history of this league where a quote-unquote subpar quarterback can take a loaded roster and make a playoff run. We saw that as recently as 2018 with the Chicago Bears, where they had a loaded roster and they at least won one playoff game, I believe, uh, before the the kicker situation with the, against the Eagles. Um, but if you have a good game manager quarterback and really good pieces around him, which the Chargers do, then you can win 9, 10, 11 games and, and win a playoff game, which I, I just don't understand the logic behind saying, uh, if you have a subpar quarterback, you're not winning eight games. I just don't, I don't get that. Yeah. Uh, correction: the Bears did not win a playoff game that year. That was okay. That was the wild card round. They had a bye though, no, right? No, that was the uh, wild card round. Okay. Yeah. Well, they won their division. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. That. Uh. What was who? Who was the? Oh, Cody Parkey. Yeah, Parkey was yeah, the Parkey. kicker. And then uh, they had their experiences with uh, Eddie Pinero this year against the Chargers, um, which actually cost us that pick, so maybe it wasn't so great. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that you can do things with um, not-so-great quarterbacks in this league, and, you know, the, the thing that I hate about the video is that they don't even bring up Tyrod Taylor. They just put a picture of Justin Herbert and talk about Justin Herbert. They don't even, like, mention, yeah. you know, Tyrod's chopped liver to him. 
Uh, and that's been that way with a lot of media members uh, for the whole offseason, really. But the way that I look at it is you look at what Tyrod did in his last season in Buffalo. Like, you know, and I know people are going to say the Peterman thing, but he he broke a 20-year streak in which they didn't make the playoffs. Right. Like, you know, and uh, they just got back with Josh Allen last year. But it and, and look at what that is. Like, you know, Tyrod Taylor uh, isn't some great quarterback, but you can, uh, you can get to the playoffs with him if the rest of your team is pretty good. Uh, the same is true with Josh Allen. I mean, look at what the Bills did with Josh Allen this year. They got to the wild card game uh, and almost got to the divisional game, right? So you can get to the playoffs with a subpar quarterback, and we see, you know, questionable quarterback play in the playoffs pretty often. Uh, look at God. Look at Blake Bortles. Um, <laughs> Blake, <laughs> the list goes on, dude. Like yeah. the ghost of Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl. And- yeah. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl, and it's it's just it doesn't make sense to me when you can look at the history of the league and say, oh, there's all these examples of bad quarterback. Rex Grossman was in the Super Bowl with the Bears in 2006, yeah, 2007, something mm-hmm. like that. So that's if Tyrod is terrible. Like I think Tyrod Taylor is going to have at least a serviceable season, and if the Chargers are able to stay healthy or at least relatively healthy then I think the Chargers could definitely surprise some people and right. sneak into the playoffs. Yeah, and this is, yeah, and this is the thing, it's like, Tyrod's, you know, last, uh, close to full season he played, uh, you know, barring the one game he was benched for Nathan Peterman, was, you know, was a season in which he took, uh, he took the Bills to the playoffs. <laughs> so, it's, it's just ridiculous to me to say he can't win at least eight games. You know, it's one thing to say, I don't think they will, but to say they're not capable of it is just um, kind of right. silly to me, especially when they have uh, such a stacked defense um, and, you know, uh, pretty great offensive weapons. I mean, Austin Eckler, uh, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, um, uh, Mike Williams, all those guys as well. So it's like, I get why people aren't high on Tyrod Taylor, but I also, you know, don't think Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert need to play great. Uh, to lift the Chargers to being, you know, uh, an average team, right? They won five games with Phillip Rivers last year, and he threw 20 interceptions. Right. (laughs) There's stuff like that, man, where it's like, man, if you just don't turn over the ball and you, um, you know, fix some holes on the defense, because, you know, they kept getting guys hurt last year, that team last year is probably like a nine-win team. So it's... You know, I just think the idea that they can't win eight games is just overdramatic. Yeah, like you mentioned, that distinction of I don't think they will versus they're not capable is really important. And I wish the guys over at PFF would have definitely worded that a little bit differently. But that's, you know, that is their own opinion. Hey guys, want to take a moment to tell you about Buzzsprout. I know that if you're a podcast junkie like I am, you probably have thought about starting your own podcast before. I know that can be a little daunting, but if you have the right help, it's not that hard. And Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. We've been using Buzzsprout since day one and could not recommend it enough. So if you're interested and you have that itch to start a podcast, make sure and follow the link in our show notes. And Buzzsprout will be able to help you and guide you along the way. Now, let's get back to the show. So we're going to shift back to continuing our little segment on uh, underrated, overrated. And today we're going to talk about the NFC. So we we had a really good discussion about this with the AFC players. Um, If you want to focus on players, you're more than welcome to, Alex. But Mm -hmm. let's get started with the NFC East. Since we started with the AFC East yesterday, mm-hmm. we'll start with the NFC East, where your uh, beloved Eagles reside. And we'll start with the Eagles. Who? Or, well, we'll start with the NFC East in general, excuse me. So, who or which team do you think is overrated in the NFC East? Um, hmm. This doesn't hurt me to do it, but I'll say that the Eagles are a little bit overrated. Um, yeah, I, I think the Eagles... 
Well, the issue I have with the Eagles right now is that they have a hard schedule. Um, because they got to play the NFC West, then they got to play the first place teams, uh, in the yeah. NFC. So that's you know, uh, the Saints as well as uh, the uh, Packers, right? Um, yeah, they won the NFC uh, North, so they got a tough schedule. Um, but I mean, all the teams in the NFC East have a tough schedule because they have to play the NFC West and they also have to play the AFC North, I believe, uh, in their schedules. So it's it's a tough year um, either way. But I I think uh, I think the Eagles might just be a little bit overrated because. That Brandon Brooks loss was big for the team uh, when he tore his ACL, and I don't know. I I wish they did a little bit more on pulls um, during the offensive line a little bit in the draft. Um, you know, the Jalen Hurts thing is what it is, but um, I just kind of wish they did a little bit more in the draft in the offseason to make me feel more confident. Now, I still think they're going to be good, but... Um, I don't know. I could see Dallas taking that division with the offseason they had and the fact that they do have an easier schedule uh, than the Eagles this year. Yeah, I can see that. You know, the Eagles definitely, the Brandon Brooks thing is huge. You know, he's one of the better offensive linemen in the league uh, in terms of interior offensive linemen. So I think that is tough. I'm surprised that you said that, though. So that's very, uh, very noble of you to mention your own team. I'm going to say the Dallas Cowboys are a little bit overrated. Um, I think their calling card for the last few years has been the offensive line and Ezekiel Elliott, both of which are declining, and they lost Travis Frederick, the, their all-pro center, to retirement. And they they have drafted decently. I think they'll be okay up front, but Tyron Smith is not the same player he was. Lael Collins is really good at right tackle. Um, and I just don't love Dak. Um, you know, you talk about a subpar quarterback – I saw this statistic the other day that uh, said that 40% of Dak's touchdown throws last year were against the Redskins and the Giants. So I just, I still want to see more out of Dak. I know he threw for a ton of yards. Uh, in terms of clutch games, I've just, I haven't really seen it out of him. In terms of big games, he's kind of late eggs. Uh, you know, Carson Wentz has really outplayed him in their head to head matchups, in my opinion. So I think the Dallas Cowboys are, are pretty overrated. I think if they won. Eight, nine games, it wouldn't surprise me, but everyone's kind of just expecting them to reclaim the division this year because they added C.D. Lamb, and I just don't really see that. I'm curious about the Cowboys. Um, if Jason Garrett was still coaching the team, uh, <laughs> um, I might be a little bit more bullish on the uh, Eagles, but <laughs> Mike McCarthy is um, a decent coach, and I think his spat with Aaron Rodgers and all that, uh, you know, what happened in Green Bay makes people maybe think a little less of him. But he is still a pretty good football coach. He's uh, super experienced. He was part of those um, Aaron Rodgers uh, teams that, you know, contended in the playoffs. Uh, you know, especially that Super Bowl team. So I'm curious to see how Mike McCarthy uh, works with Dak and uh, some of the other pieces that he has. So, yeah, I'm curious to see what that will be like for the Cowboys. Yeah, for sure. That is a good point. Jason Garrett was just kind of a a dummy coach, in my opinion. Hey, he but, was the uh, clapper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, in terms of underrated, uh, who are you going to mention as the underrated player or team? Underrated, I'll go... I think Terry McLaurin is still underrated. Um, okay. Maybe because he plays for Washington... Uh, the team that's still <laughs> rebranding. Uh, so, I don't know. I think he... I don't know if this is crazy to say, but like I think he has potential over the next two years to become the best receiver in the division. Um, I, I think he could vault over Amari Cooper and some of those guys. He has so much talent and so much speed, um, a lot of route running proficiency, and he... Um, I, I think Dwayne Haskins is going to use him a lot uh, in, uh, this year in Washington. So I, I think Terry McLaurin is a little bit, uh, undersold, especially when people talk about, you know, the Eagles, uh, and the Cowboys receiving options much more. Yeah. I like that answer a lot. I, I love Terry McLaurin. I think he, like you mentioned, I, I think he could become the best receiver in the division in a few years. Um, I also think Dwayne Haskins, 
I think people are selling him a little too early. I think Haskins could have uh, not a great year, but I think he'll improve enough to the point where I think Haskins will earn uh, the shot to at least finish out his contract with the Redskins. Um, so my underrated one is actually going to be Darius Slay. Uh, Darius Slay, obviously he just got traded to the Eagles. He's the corner. And whenever you hear people talk about the top five corners in the league, you rarely hear Darius Slay's name brought up. He's Him and Casey Hayward are very similar in that regard because they're both amazing corners and because they're not in all these primetime games, people don't really talk about them that much. And I think Darius Slay is... I don't know if he's top three, but for me, he's definitely top five, and he has produced as a top five corner. He's very disruptive in the passing game, and he's he definitely sticks his nose in there in the run game. And I just think that Darius Slay needs more respect, man, and I think you're going to really like watching him mm-hmm. on the Eagles this year. Yeah, uh, and for the Lions, uh, good luck replacing uh, Darius Slay with Desmond Trufant. <laughs> yeah, at least they drafted Okuda, which was yeah. smart, um, but Desmond Trufant is a little washed up. Uh, so let's let's shift to the NFC North. Uh, Chicago Bears, Lions, Packers, Vikings. Who is your overrated uh, person or team? I'll go overrated. I'll go overrated the Vikings. Um, okay. I think, you know, they did lose Stefan Diggs. Now, I know they did get draft capital for him and they uh, did get Justin Jefferson, but I, I do think Diggs was kind of an underrated in his time there and, you know, we talked about the relationship between Kirk Cousins and him, but I still thought he was a great uh, player. Uh, the Vikings, they did uh, replace Linval Joseph, but now they don't have Everson Griffin. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't know. That defense, that secondary kind of in particular, um, I don't know. Harrison Smith and, and some of those other guys just didn't look hot last year. Um, so I don't know. I And Kirk, you know, I, I do think Kirk Cousins was better last year maybe that a lot of people gave him credit for, and he did win that playoff game uh, against the Saints, which I love because the Saints fans are annoying. Um, <laughs> so it was nice to see Kirk Cousins beat them. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I sell them a little bit just because I think I'm a little higher on the Packers this year, and I don't know about the Bears, but if the Bears do get respectable play from uh, Nick Foles then, you know, I could see them being a solid kind of 500 team maybe that uh, sticks around because they do have that good defense. So I'll I'll sell the Vikings a little bit. That's totally understandable. They had a, a bunch of departures that they really just replaced for the draft. I thought they drafted really well. Uh, Justin Jefferson and Ezra Cleveland for in particular, I think, are going to be really good players for them. This division's tough, though, because I kind of want to sell the Packers just – I thought they had an awful, awful draft, and they didn't really do much in free agency to kind of fill the the obvious holes that they had. And they were so just pushed around by every single team that really was physical with them. You obviously the Niners did it twice. The Chargers really pushed them around, and so uh, I think the Packers could win twelve games again. But I, I just I can't really see them making a run in the playoffs, which. I want to see Aaron Rodgers get a chance at another Super Bowl, and maybe he will, but I just I just can't see it right now. And so, you know, you're selling the Vikings, I'm selling the Packers. I think obviously that leads me to think that the Detroit Lions are going to make the playoffs for the first time <laughs> in forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's do underrated. Who's your underrated person or team in the NFC North? The underrated is always Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford has been yes. the most underrated person yes. in the division since forever. I mean... Man, it was crazy just watching him that first month of the season before Detroit, like, just imploded. Um, But there was that game he was playing against the Chiefs where he was going back and forth with Mahomes. And it was like, yeah, yeah, he was going tit for tat with him. And I'm like, when he he has good pieces around him, uh, you know, and he, he was with a Detroit team last year that's, like, you know, not really well built. If he has, if he had a Detroit team that was, like, you know, even a little bit better than what he has had the last few years. Like, he could be just, I think, like, consistently, you know, uh, just going out for the NFC North every year with Rodgers and these other guys. Like, 
it, it's just a shame that they've wasted him all these years, and now he's finally starting to get hurt, and, you know, that's the thing, but if he's healthy, like, I, you know, I'll, I might take him, uh, I wouldn't take him over Rodgers, but I, I take him over any other quarterback in that division, and I take him Absolutely. over quite a few quarterbacks in the NFC, so it's like, that guy, you know, just because he plays in Detroit and the team's not great, uh, I, I think he gets the shaft a little bit from the national media. Yeah, I totally agree with you. He was who I was going to mention because yeah, I think Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay is a pretty solid receiver duo. But outside of that and outside of Megatron, like the Lions have hardly been, you know, uh, stockpiled with high-end players. Like I can't even name an offensive lineman who I would take on the Chargers right now. That's how bad I think it is. Um so I, I agree with you. I think Matt Stafford is criminally underrated. And, and in terms of talent, in terms of you take this quarterback and you put them theoretically on every other roster, I think Matt Stafford is top eight in terms of talent in the league. Um, you know, you mentioned just his games where he was able to go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. I think he still has it. I think he's going to come back this season from his back injury and really just ball out. I don't know if they'll win more than six games because yeah. the rest of the team is garbage. Yeah. But I think Matt Stafford is going to throw for like 4,800 yards and 35 touchdowns. I think he's going to have a great season. Just the rest of the team is not. Yeah. Uh, so we'll shift to the, the Saints division, the NFC South, which is really interesting, obviously, with the addition of Tom Brady and then Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina. So are the Saints your overrated team of the NFC South? No, Tom Brady is the overrated person in the NFC South. <laughs> Let's go. I love it. <laughs> um, so, okay. When looking at Brady um, and what he did last year, I know a lot of people are going to say the, the instant argument, which is like he didn't have the weapons, which is like, okay, but he had a lot of the guys that he's gone to Super Bowls with, with Julian Edelman, James White, uh, Sony Michelle. Uh, that, that offensive line was still in place. Uh, I know, you know, and Keel Harry wasn't great and he got hurt, but, you know, when people talk about the weapons, I just, I think there's more to it than, like, just he didn't have the weapons last year. Like, he was just missing right. balls. Like, the stat that I always, that always gets me when I, uh, whenever I write about, uh, whenever I was writing about Brady and Rivers, uh, Philip Rivers threw 20 picks last year. Uh, Philip Rivers was 22nd in QBR, Tom Brady was 23rd in QBR. So, like, right. there there were just things in Tom Brady's game last year, just not having the arm that he needed to on certain throws. Um, I think that he'll be helped by Gronk and Mike Evans and, you know, some of those guys, Chris Godwin, uh, in Tampa Bay. But... I, I just don't know if that's the direction I would have gone if I was Tampa Bay. I think that if you're going to run a Bruce Arians offense, you want that guy that can sling it. Um, not that I would have right. gone with Jameis, because Jameis has his obvious problems. Uh, but, you know, you I would have gone maybe for a young quarterback in the draft or something or, you know, tried to trade up instead of go the Brady route. Um, I, I just think... I think if you want to run that real Bruce Arians offense, that's not going to be inhibited by an aging quarterback that is, you know, starting to really show signs of age after not showing signs for so long. Um, I just don't think it was the right direction for them to go. And while, you know, they still may make the playoffs, I just don't see them being a, uh, a contender in that stacked NFC. Um, just a lot of teams that I would put ahead of them. And I think there's uh, quite a few NFC quarterbacks that I think have higher potential than Brady. Yeah, I love it. You know, I, I most of our bull beat chat was against the Chargers signing Tom Brady, and thankfully so because, like you mentioned, I just I didn't really see prime Tom Brady, and, and rightfully so, he's like 45 now. So I, I totally agree with you. I think Tom Brady was not really a good fit for Tampa Bay. I think Chris Godwin is going to feast this season because, you know, he's going to kind of take on that Julian Edwin role. But, you know, Jameis, even though he threw 30 picks, they ha- they were in every single game last year. And, you know, he threw for a ton of yards. He threw for a lot of touchdowns. And I thought, like, if they kept him around for another year, 
you know, make him do a one-year prove-it deal, I thought that he probably would have progressed a little bit more with another year of uh, Bruce Arians' tutelage. But then again, we've been saying that about Jameis Winston for the last five years. So (laughs) I can understand moving on. I figured that they probably would have taken a shot um, in the draft, which, you know, maybe they were a little too low, which is why they were okay with signing Tom Brady. Um, But I agree with you. I'm actually going to mention Michael Thomas here as well. And I know that Michael Thomas has put up a ton of freaking yards, and I know that he is, you know, this super clutch player, but there's just something about him that I, I I can't watch him play and put him in that elite, well, I think he's elite, but I don't think he's in that top three tier with DeAndre Hopkins and uh, Julio Jones and even Tyree Kill I would put above him, uh, just because we haven't really seen him be a versatile receiver he runs a stick route he runs a slant route he runs a curl route and he runs an out route like he runs four routes and he's very good at those four routes but i i just and i think people need to pump the brakes and like deandre hopkins said you know he's been in a fantastic situation down there in new orleans with drew Brees. if deandre hopkins was down there in drew Brees, i think hopkins would be putting up very similar numbers because hopkins has had all these terrible quarterbacks besides Deshaun Watson. But I, I just think that Michael Thomas is really in the perfect situation. And once Drew Brees retires, I think Michael Thomas is going to be in a little bit of a regression situation. I want to do a quick pop quiz. Uh, so this is a game for the folks at home. Who <laughs> is Tom Brady's backup in Tampa Bay? So we'll let people think about it for a second. Uh, I want to say it's... No, that's not him. I want... They have a Griffin on the team. Is he... is Ryan Griffin or is that the tight end in, in New York? Ryan Griffin is, on... uh, Griffin is on the team, but he's not the backup. He's not the backup? He's not the QB2. Um... I thought he was the backup. Who's their backup then? Blaine Gabbert. Oh, that's right. That's right. (laughs) I totally forgot. I thought he was still uh, San Francisco's backup for some reason. I don't know why. Anyway, so uh, let's shift to underrated NFC South. Underrated NFC South. um, Hmm. A little tough. I'll go... I'll go Bucks again. I'll go Buccaneers uh, defensive line, maybe a little bit. Um, I okay. think the Buccaneers defense gets undersold, which is fair because I think the secondary and all that. Um, the secondary is not good. Yeah, secondary. The secondary is not, not great. Um, you know, maybe they'll develop this year, but I'm not so sure about that. But I do think they have. I I, I like what I saw out of Ndamukong Su last year. Uh, I thought he was pretty nice. Um, they have uh, JPP there. Uh, I, I like what they have on that defensive line. Uh, uh, Vita Vey is still there, I think. Um, yeah. So they have a lot of bodies on that defensive line who uh, are just able... It's part of the reason they were in so many games last year. Is like I, I was watching that uh, that Rams game where it was, like a, it was a shootout uh, early in the year where the secondary was just blowing some coverages, but that defensive line is just able to uh, force turnovers uh, and you know keep keep them in the game you know by making impact plays so um, yeah I, I just like what that uh, defensive line is able to do uh, for the Buccaneers and then of course they have the linebackers that can also uh, rush pretty well so uh, I'll, I'll go with the Bucks defensive line uh, as the underrated in the NFC South. That's a good one. I do think their defensive line is nasty. I love their two linebackers, Levante David and uh, David White. Um, so I, I'm with you. I think the defense is a little underrated. That secondary is is really bad, but I think their front seven is in, is in good shape. Um, underrated for me, I'm actually going to go back to the Saints, and I'm going to go with Jared Cook. Um, Jared Cook, he's I don't think he's a top five tight end, but I don't think he gets talked about enough in terms of like top eight. Uh, his last three years with the Raiders and this past year with the Saints, he's produced three really good seasons. Um, in 2017, I think he only had two touchdowns, but he had like 55 catches. 
in 2018, he had over 60 with the Raiders last year. And then this past season, you know, he scored nine touchdowns and he had 700 yards. So I think Jared Cook is a little underrated. Uh, I put this out on the Guilty as Charged uh, Twitter page. And his numbers are actually better than Hunter Henry's. Granted, Hunter Henry has been injured, but you know, Jared Cook is, is talented in his own right. And I think he's going to have another good season with Drew Brees. So we'll shift to the last division, which is obviously the NFC West. Who is your overrated NFC West person or team? Overrated NFC West? Uh, probably the Rams. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I think the thing with the Rams is just like, the Rams get a lot of credit for being like this football savvy team a lot of the time because they have Sean McVay. Uh, and he's this, you know, offensive guru and all that. But they just made some really dumbfounding moves over the years. Um, the Todd Gurley contract has obviously come back to bite them. Uh, the Jalen Ramsey trade, uh, giving up two future firsts in a situation where Jalen Ramsey very well may walk. And, you know, I don't know exactly what the cap situation is, if it's, you know possible to do an extension with him while uh you have this Aaron Donald deal and you have this golf deal right so and they still have dead money for Gurley right and they still have dead money for Gurley so you know I think the Rams uh I, I do like golf still generally speaking and I I like some of the pieces there on offense obviously like Aaron Donald on defense um but I I just think they've done some weird team building and now they've obviously limited uh, limited themselves in the draft and what they can do and I just don't think it's been very smart team building um and I think we're seeing kind of the end of their window uh as a contender especially with the rise of the Niners in that division and uh the Seahawks still being the Seahawks so I think they could find themselves uh in not only financial hell soon, but probably mediocrity pretty soon. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. I think the Rams are in, in a tough situation because not only do they have a rough cap outlook, their quarterback's just not good. And so you you can be in a tough cap situation like the Chiefs are going to be, but they'll have Patrick Mahomes. Or like, you know, if your quarterback is making up the big part of that cap and he's great, you're set. But if that quarterback is not performing well, then you're in a big amount of trouble, and that's what the Rams are right now with Jared Goff. Um, I like Cam Akers. You know, he was one of my sleepers in the draft. I think he's going to be good for them. But he's not going to be 2018 Todd Gurley good. Mm-hmm. And really, Todd Gurley was the driving force of that offense because, you know, teams had to stack the box, which makes things easier on the quarterback. And then last year when Todd Gurley was not very good, you know, teams were able to load up the secondary like a, a normal defense, and the Rams were they really struggled to manufacture points. So I think the Rams are in a tough situation. Um, and like you said, this division, a lot of people talk about the AFC West as one of the better divisions, and you know, I think that's just us being Chargers fans. But that NFC West man is really good, and the Arizona Cardinals are on the rise too. I think with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, so. That's an interesting thing to keep an eye on with the uh, the roommates across SoFi Stadium over there. Yeah, the only thing I was just going to say about Todd Gurley is, like, we saw how valuable he was to that offense when it came to the Patriots, and Bill Belichick was just like, yeah, let's just leave everyone back and let go- make golf win the game, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, Gurley's status in the Super Bowl. Um you know, so I I think they do need that uh, really great running back and those um, those still you know they do still have good wide receivers, but I, yeah, the offensive um, I don't see the offensive firepower being what it was in 2018. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to say that these guys are overrated, but what do you make of the Seahawks in general? Because obviously they have Russell Wilson. I really like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Uh, they have a couple good not great tight ends but their offensive line is not very good their defense is not very good and Jadeveon Clowney didn't put up a lot of sacks for them last year but he was disruptive enough where 
it made it at least semi-difficult for teams to score on them on a consistent basis. Obviously, Bobby Wagner is amazing, but really, outside of Bobby Wagner, that's that's all they have on defense. And Pete Carroll is known as a defensive coach, and you know the cupboard's pretty dry back there uh, in terms of talent on the defensive side now. Yeah, there were rumors of Jadavion Clowney, uh, Seattle odds increasing over the last couple of days. Uh, so that might be a thing where they get him back. You know, I've stopped questioning the Seahawks defense because uh, every year I question Pete Carroll's drafting ability. Like when he took uh, Jordan Brooks this year, and fir- didn't he take Jordan Brooks in the first round? And I yeah. was like, what are you doing? But, you know, this <laughs> this guy has, you know, carried this team so far along with uh, Russell Wilson. Um, he is a really good coach, even if I don't always buy his personnel decisions. Um, so yeah, I, I still buy the Seahawks and remember, you know, the, the Niners probably don't make the Super Bowl if Jacob Hollister isn't stopped, you know, one foot short of the goal line, uh, in that, uh, final game. So yeah, um, Seahawks might've very well been in that Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Uh, so I'll say that... I think that Seattle's still in that top top four teams uh, in the NFC. Uh, it's a it's a big those bit uh, sorry those games against the Niners will be a big deal because you know that's home field advantage or you're playing in the wild card game. So uh, that's yeah. that's just gonna be tough. Um, oh well, actually, it might not be home field advantage now because now we have the seven team playoff. So yeah, so that only the one seed is getting the uh, first round by now with the uh that's going into effect this year yeah that's a good point yeah so but yeah so that division could very well be you're the one seed or you're the fifth uh, wild card team so yeah. that's that's a tough position to be in but uh, seattle came close to doing it last year and it wouldn't shock me if you know if san fran has a little bit of a defensive regression we've seen how sometimes defenses don't always carry year to year um if San Fran has a little defensive regression, then I could see Seattle certainly uh, winning that division. Yeah, that's definitely uh, a possibility. I think both the Niners and the Seahawks probably make the playoffs, though. Um, the Seahawks, though, I, I just wish that they would let Russell Wilson just be... We all know that he's a top-three quarterback in the league, um, but they do not coach him like he's a top-three quarterback in the league, which I really wish that they would just... Let him go and let him be himself. So that's an interesting one, too. Um, underrated NFC West. Who are you going with now? Underrated NFC West. Uh, I don't want to It's tough to say the Cardinals anymore because they got DeAndre Hopkins and they got Kyler Murray, which is... They're getting a yeah, lot of hype right now. I, I don't feel like they're quite underrated anymore. Um... Hmm. Do you have an underrated? Because I might take time to think of one. Yeah, like you said, it's tough to mention the Cardinals right now because, you know, they've been getting so much hype. Uh, My first instinct here was actually to go with Robert Woods. Um, Robert Woods, I think, ever since he left Buffalo with um, Rex Ryan and all them, I think he's put up a lot of good numbers. Granted, you know, he's been in a really good system over here in L.A., but... The last two seasons, he's got you know a thousand uh, over a thousand yards each of the last two years. This past season, he had a bit of a regression in touchdowns, but <clears throat> but he's been really solid for them. And I think Cooper Cup is is on the rise, but Robert Woods is really solid too, and he, and he doesn't get talked about in terms of uh, their best players. Uh, I think for underrated, I might go to Seattle, and I'll say. Uh, Philip Dorsett, um, I think he's an intriguing signing from the Patriots. Um, they have Metcalf and Lockett as the pretty clear uh, one-two duo, but Dorsett can be a decent uh, slot guy. And you know, Russell Wilson really just needs like one more uh, slot guy to really kind of get the offense cooking. Uh, so I could see Philip Dorsett being an interesting uh, kind of slot. Uh, piece for them where they have uh, Tyler Lockett and Metcalf obviously drawing most of the coverage and maybe he kind of has like a sneaky big kind of uh, flex fantasy here 
but we'll see. Um, it, it's an interesting... Uh, see, I think Seattle's offense maybe is a little underrated as a whole, uh, just because everyone, you know, it's Wilson and everybody else, but Wilson does a really good job at carrying them, so... Yeah, he does. Know, we'll, see how yeah. Far, we'll see how far they go this year. So I just remember that they actually signed Greg Olson. Um, oh, yeah. forgot about that. <laughs> I, I don't know how much of an upgrade he is over Hollister and Disley. I think both of those two are are pretty solid, but uh, that'll be a really interesting thing to keep an eye on because Greg Olson has been great in the past, but the last two years he's been really banged up and missed a lot of games. And, and you know, he hinted at retirement. He hinted at going into the booth, which uh, I listened to him do some XFL games, and I thought he would be a fantastic uh, commentator in the future. But that'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. The Seahawks offense in general, like you mentioned, I think is underrated. I like Chris Carson. I thought I would mention him as well. The thing with Chris Carson, though, is he fumbles a lot. You know, I think he fumbled like seven or eight times this past season. And so it was like every single week, like, oh, is it Rashad Penny time? Is it Rashad Penny time? Is it Rashad Penny time? And then obviously Rashad Penny got hurt. Mm-hmm. And then Chris Carson got hurt. And then <laughs> they had to bring back Marshawn Lynch. So the Seahawks will be interesting. One thing that I think could define their season is honestly, if there's no fans, I think. I wonder how that impacts them because their home field advantage this last 10 years has really been amazing. And, you know, if there's no fans, does that continue or does that kind of level their playing field a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's it's possible, right? The, the 12th man has always been a big part of it. Um, I don't think it'll affect them that much. I, I mean, I kind of have the same logic that, like, you know, for teams that have, you know, uh, no fans, as people like to say with the Chargers, you know, just because they can't get people in the stadium versus, you know, uh, the Seahawks who always get people in the stadium. Like, at, at the same, at, you know, at the end of the day, all these teams do an incredible amount of preparation and just have an incredible amount of talent. So it's like, I think at the end of the day, I think there is home field advantage in all this stuff. Um, but I think uh, just... You know, and you know, speaking of the Chargers, we've seen them have years where they're uh, where they're great on the road. Like the Chargers back in that 2018 season where they went 12 and four, I think they were better on the road than they were at home. So like yeah, you know, they were. yeah, we've seen teams be kind of road warriors before. Um, and with Seattle, I I honestly think they can play anyone ever anywhere, as as uh, Melvin Ingram would say, uh, any squad, uh, any place. Um, yeah, so I, I think Seattle is, is pretty adept to play uh, anywhere. Yeah, for sure. So if I know it's early, it's only July. Uh, if you had to pick a favorite right now in the NFC, obviously it's it's really tough. I think there's legitimately seven, eight teams that could seriously contend for the one or two seeds and, and maybe get into the NFC Championship game. Uh, but if you had to pick or at least lean one way or the other, which team would you go with? Mm, I'll go Seattle, actually. Um, I think okay. yeah, I think Seattle can be in that uh, NFC Championship game this year. Um, if they win the division, uh, I think they put themselves uh, in a great position to win. I, I listen. I've said the Saints every year. I'm never saying the Saints <laughs> again. You lose to Kirk Cousins, you 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 lose uh, you lose me. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know. I I think there are certainly... I don't think it's going to be someone from the NFC East, just because I think the Cowboys and the Eagles still have their own kind of problems to work through. The NFC North is... Yeah, we talked about with the Packers earlier. It's like they have Rodgers, but they just, you know, are kind of getting beat in the trenches, and they lost Brian Balaga, as we said. Um... I don't know, uh, so I don't think it's going to be the Packers or anyone from the North, so I think it might be uh, the South and the West, maybe in the in that championship game where it's like the Saints or the Saints or Bucks versus, you know, the uh, Niners or Seahawks, maybe. Um, I, I just like the Seahawks uh, and how they're constructed with, you know, Pete Carroll as the coach and... You know, I actually saw a wild stat today on GetUp that uh, Derek Carr uh, has received MVP votes and Dak has received MVP votes, but Russell Wilson has never received an MVP vote. 
Um, what? He's, he's never received an MVP vote in history. Uh, Lamar was obviously unanimous last year, so he's never received an MVP vote. And uh, wow. it wouldn't shock me if that changes this year. So, I mean, it's time. Yeah. It, he needs to get an MVP mm-hmm. before he retires, man. I think yeah. Russell Wilson is, in terms of their careers, I think Russell Wilson is one of the more underrated quarterbacks of all time. Right. Um, I, I You're kind of talking me into the Seahawks, and like you mentioned, every single year kind of feels like the Saints year, but uh, just kind of losing to Kirk Cousins, like you mentioned, uh, that's that's a tough one. In terms of a sneaky underdog pick, I, I actually have a good feeling about the Falcons this year. Um, I know they kind of struggled this past year, but I really like the addition of Hayden Hurst, and you know they did some good things in the draft. And if they can stay healthy, you know they have a ton of talent on offense. Yeah, you know, if they can just you know shore up the running back position, I think they're they could be in a, a sneaky position to to make a run this year again. The issue with the Falcons is that they lost me on the gradient jerseys. <laughs> Jason actually really likes those. Uh, uh, I know they're not for everybody, but I saw I saw one cool Photoshop of Julio Jones where they look cool. So maybe they'll look better on the field, but I I don't know. I I don't like the colors bleeding into each other. I just think it's a, yeah. Eh. They looked almost like a knockoff of the Tampa Bay jerseys, honestly. Yeah, yeah, kind of. They, someone said they looked like a AAF team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what they kind of did. I can see it. I just wish they would go all in on the Dirty Bird, man. I love their yeah. all black jerseys. That's, that's their best jersey. Just go back to being white black with uh, red as the alternate instead. Um, that's yeah. you know that's definitely their best look. Sometimes less is more, and uh, it seems that they did not get that message. Uh, so, Alex, any other last thoughts before we wrap up today? No, uh, I guess that's uh, about it for today. Um, you know, as we've just been saying, uh, check us, keep reading up on Bolt Beat. Uh, so, I published an article with uh, about Charles Clay this week. Uh, I'm working on the top five chargers under 25 and i also will be writing kind of a more in-depth piece on how mahomes's contract might affect the chargers uh so keep in tune with bullpeat and as always you can follow me on twitter at uh, alex lansdorf a-l-e-x-l-a-n-c-e-d-o-r-f sounds good yeah make sure you follow alex on twitter we got to get those followers up because <laughs> Yeah, he's a great source of Chargers Chargers analysis, and I think you know he's a really good follow at this moment. Uh, yeah, you can follow me at Stephen I Hagelin. You can follow the podcast at GC Podcast Seventeen. Make sure you stay tuned for the announcement, which will come up probably next week about the August giveaway. I'll start you know kind of hyping that up again like we usually do. Uh, make sure and hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate all that support. And yeah, that'll do it for this episode. We'll see you next time.